Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 6, how God warned Noah that he was going to judge the world by a never-before-seen flood, just as today God warns us that he'll judge the world by a never-before-seen hell, as we study the phrase, things not seen as yet. Now, before we get started with our teaching from Genesis, with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse by email by going to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, or searching for us on Facebook by searching for Friendship with God. Now, Tom Cantor is our Bible teacher and the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in San Diego, California. He's also a scientist, a biochemist, and because of that, we're offering two great resources science and Bible-based, two books, Dinosaurs in the Bible and Your Origins Matter. These two great books, Dinosaurs in the Bible and Your Origins Matter, are amazing science and Bible-based books. They're your resources for a donation of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, order the Creation Museum website and bookstore at creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. He's looking for those, and he describes those when he says to Thomas in John 20, 29, he said, Jesus saith unto Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. That's like, well, you know, because you saw, you believed. Okay, everybody do that. But then he said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. So the Lord Jesus Christ intentionally keeps himself unseen because he's looking for who's going to believe for those who have not seen and yet have believed this last week national geographic came out a couple days at the creation museum and was uh, learning all about the creation museum and interviewing and so forth and they said it takes faith to believe that the world was created and i said well yes it does it also takes faith to believe in evolution it's all about faith why because these are things not seen we weren't there when it all took place. And that's the way God set it up. You know, you know, there's no proof. There's overwhelming evidence. But anyway, so Noah was one of those who had not seen and yet believed. That's Noah. And most people will say today, well, I believe in God. And most people say that. Well, yeah, I'm not a heathen. I believe in God. I believe in God. I'm an <laughs> maybe agnostic, but I believe in God. So that's why the second part is very important about what Noah did. It doesn't say they just believe that God is but that he was a rewarder of them that diligently seek them. So to believe in God, that's not enough. But it's necessary to go the next step, which Noah did. What was the next step? The greatest need he had in his life was to be saved from the sins, from the judgment coming. He needed the grace of God. So he sought that grace, Titus 2.11. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And he prayed, oh God, give me your grace. Give me your salvation grace. Save my sinful soul by your grace. That was the grace that Noah sought and he found in the eyes of the Lord. So he believed God would save him if he diligently sought him. That's what God's looking for today. What pleases the Lord Jesus Christ? Not just a casual acknowledgement that he exists. Oh, yeah, he exists. You know, such beautiful sky, someone had to make it. But God's looking for those who will diligently seek him, whatever the cost. 
and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you have grace for me. I believe that you have grace to save my sinful soul from hell. I believe that you said that you died for my sins. And please save me from my sins. That's the diligently, that's the faith that pleases God. That's a faith that pleases God. In Noah, so in Hebrews eleven seven, it says, Noah took God's warnings seriously. You know, God warned Noah, he's going to judge the world with a worldwide flood. So what did Noah do? Did he go home and write it down someplace and make a notebook, you know, and God's going to judge the world and study it over and over again? No, when he heard that, he was afraid. He was warned. He'd never seen a flood of water before. I don't know if Noah could have imagined what we have seen. We have seen destructive floods of tsunamis and sweeping across Indonesia and so forth. We've seen that on television. He hadn't seen that. He had not seen that. But the fact that God said, look, Noah, see it or not, you have to understand, this is going to be an expression of my anger, of my wrath against sin. And that was all Noah needed to hear. He might say, I don't know what a flood of water looks like, but it's got to be bad, because God says it's the expression of my anger. And he took the warning to his heart, and he was warned of God, of things not at seen as yet. For us, we've seen the flood. We've seen the destruction. But for us, the things not seen as yet are, and in that sense, we're in the same position that Noah was in. we never seen hell. We've never seen that. All of us. Hell and sufferings in hell are things not seen as yet. We haven't seen that. We don't know. And so when it comes to hell, we're in exactly the same position that Noah was in with the flood. There are things not seen as yet. But Noah was warned about the flood, and he took us to his heart, and he was afraid. And we've been warned also about hell. Moses warned the Jewish people about hell. When that happened there, you remember in Achor, when it says in Numbers 16, 30-33, it says, The Lord shall make a new thing. The earth will open her mouth and swallow them up with all that are pain, uh, pertain unto them. And he said, And they go down into the pit. That's a phrase that refers to hell. They go down into the pit. Then shall he understand that these men have provoked the Lord. They and all that pertain to them, verse 33, went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. David, king of Israel, he warned about hell. He said in Psalm 55, 15, let death seize upon them and let them go down quick into hell for the wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Solomon king of Israel warned about hell. He said in Proverbs 9.18, but he knoweth not that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of hell. And in Proverbs 15.24, he said, the way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. The prophet Ezekiel, he did a lot of warning about hell. He talked about Satan and what happened to him. And in Ezekiel 31, 16 and 17, he said, I made the heavens to shake at the sound of his fall when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. They also went down into hell. 
In Ezekiel 32, 21, he said, The strong among the mighty shall speak of him out of the midst of hell. With them that help him, they are gone down, they lie uncircumcised, slain. Ezekiel 32, 27, And they shall not lie with the mighty that are fallen of the uncircumcised, which are gone down to hell with their weapons of war. They've laid their swords under their heads, and their iniquities shall be upon their bones. Otherwise, you could just state that they died in their sins. And the prophet Isaiah, he warned about hell. In Isaiah 14, 10 through 12, speaking about Satan again, he said, They shall speak and say unto them, Art thou also become weak as we? Like his entrance into hell. Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp has brought thee down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee, and worms cover thee. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke of the worm that dieth not. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? Isaiah 14, 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Isaiah 38, 18. The grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. And Daniel warned in hell in Daniel 12, 2, when he said, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel, and we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they too might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts and messages that we offer for free. You can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Judgment is just around the corner, and it was time for them to do what you did. Tell them, Noah, it takes faith to believe that the world was created. And I said, well, yes, it does. It also takes faith to believe in evolution. Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke so much about hell, really calling these images back when he said in Matthew eight twelve, he said, the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, grinding down teeth for anguish and pain. Matthew 13, 41 through 42, it says, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, they shall gather out of his kingdom all that offend, and them that do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Mark 9, 43 through 44, Hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. Luke 16, 23 to 24, and in hell, he lift up his eyes as the rich man. And being in torments, why was he in torments? Not only the pain, but also what he saw. What did he see? He saw Abraham afar off. He saw where he could have been. And then he cried. What did he say? 
He said, send Lazarus, put some water on the tip of his finger and cool my tongue. He said, I am tormented in this flame. Revelation 20 speaks about the devil being cast into fire and brimstone and tormented day and night forever and ever. And Revelation 20, 14 through 15 speaks about being cast, the death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So what do we see here? God warning over and over and over again about hell. You can't read the Bible. You can't read the Bible without being warned of God's anger and hell as his judgment. Hell and its sufferings, though, are for us things not seen as yet. We don't know. And so it's like the flood and the destruction for Noah. But Noah took the warning of God to his heart. And he moved with fear. And that's what God wants us to do, is to take these warnings to our heart and move with fear. How? How do you know that Noah really did take these warnings to his heart and that he feared God's destruction? We know it because of what it says in Hebrews eleven seven, when it says that Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. The proof that Noah took God's warnings to heart, was he was afraid, he moved with fear, and he prepared something to save others. You and I, we really take God's warnings to heart about hell. We'll move and prepare, move and prepare to saving, move, prepare to saving. Those words, moved, prepared to saving. It's a great challenge for us in those words. Moved. He was warned. He was moved. He moved. He's looking for us to say, I'm going to move. I'm not going to be complacent about this. I'm going to move. And so what do we see? I mean, Noah being warned of God. And he moved with fear. So, why was he afraid? Because Noah was afraid for his family, that they should be saved. Noah was afraid for his relatives, his sons, that they should be saved, as other relatives. He was afraid for his friends. He was afraid for the people he just met in his life. Now, that's a picture That's a picture of a man who walks with God, takes God seriously. And just like Noah, who was warned that anyone who's not saved, including family, relatives, friends, and people we just meet, is on the path to hell. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. From Hebrews 10.31. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in in John 8, 24, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And how is it put in the Old Testament? Iniquity on his bones. In John 14, 6, what the Lord said, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. There is no other option. There is no other way to come to God except by him. So when we look at Noah, we say, that's the man I want to be. He's an example for us because he took those warnings of destruction very, very seriously. We can see Noah, we can imagine, you know, Noah just sitting there said, now, who do I know that's lost? Noah could have said that. He could have sat down and said, asked himself a question. Who do I know that's lost? Let me make a list. I'm going to go talk to each one of them. I've got to go speak to each one. I'll do my best to do what I can to get them to be saved. But I'll make sure that I don't do nothing. I'll do something. And I'll make sure I also do something that Make sure I don't do something that invalidates my message of judgment. You know what that is? I'll tell you in a minute. There's a great picture for us that's like Noah of the making a list 
of who's lost. And you remember Oscar Schindler. And he made his list. It was called Schindler's List. Of all the Jewish people that he knew. He kind of went down. He was trying to sit there and remember this one and that one. And he saved them from the Nazi death camps by telling him he needed that worker for his factory. As a matter of fact, there was an Austrian who wrote a book called Schindler's Ark. But just imagine when he's sitting down there, Oscar Schindler sitting down there and he's writing his list. He's trying to remember all of the Jewish people he knows. And he's writing them all down. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to do the same thing. Make a list. We should have our Schindler's list. And when Oscar Schindler made his list, he wrote down each name of Jewish person. And he, he said, oh, it's a good thing I remembered Mr. Cohen. I almost forgot him. I just had a terrible thought that if I forgot to put Mr. Cohen down on the list, that maybe Mr. Cohen would have been carted off to Auschwitz. So he made his list. That's a great picture for us to make the list and to who we're going to warn. Make the list of every lost person we know with the purpose and the intention to get them saved as best we can. Because to bring to them the truth, there's salvation in no other name from Acts 4.12. There's none other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. I have a, um, a receipt that we are going to put up in the Creation Museum. And the receipt is from Millions Testament Campaign. And it's a receipt for, they've given a half a million New Testaments to Jewish people in America, in Europe, in Palestine, and um, other parts of the world. And it's a receipt for $5 to Lillian Knox. And it's about this big. And she gave the $5 so that Jewish people in those places could get New Testaments. And the date is August 1st, 1941, the time when they were being slaughtered. And she had a heart to do that. Why? Because she believed that there is salvation in no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Noah did that. He spoke with any lost person that he came in contact with. And God wants us to be like that. Take it seriously. But there's something that we can do that invalidates our message about hell. And you know what that is? To entertain, to tell, that's worse, to laugh at a joke about hell. When you laugh at a joke about hell, just like that, you invalidated everything that you're trying to say. Because the lost have a staked interest in getting us to invalidate taking God seriously on the subject of hell. And the lost successfully get us to invalidate our stand on hell when we laugh at a joke about hell. Have you heard the joke about the rabbi, the priest, the pastor, and how they went to hell? And, you know, and the lost look for us when they tell those kind of jokes. They look for us to laugh or smile. And the minute we do, the minute we do, they won. You don't realize there's a contest going on. They won. Hell is no joking matter. Whenever someone tells me a joke about hell, I think like I've told you before about Cheryl standing in front of that Japanese temple. I'm going to stand there like a corpse with rigor mortis, like that, no response. Just two weeks ago, I was in the desert, and I was speaking with a Jewish computer specialist, and he told me a joke about hell. And when he was finished, I just said, I'm sorry, I can't laugh about hell, because I actually think a lot about the reality of hell. And as far as Noah goes, he wasn't going to laugh about any jokes about the flood, and I'm sure there were a lot of them at that time, because he took 
God seriously and that God was going to condemn the world in this judgment. He took it seriously. What we see here is that in Hebrews eleven seven, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. His family was his first priority to get saved. His first priority. That should be the way it is with us also. First ones on our list. After all, they have to tolerate listening to us because we're family. <laughs> and everybody's got enough strange members in their family. So Noah brought his family And I don't know what it was about Noah that he was able to get his three sons. I've wondered about it. You know, how is it that Noah got nobody on the boat except for his three sons? You know, Noah's sons, they probably had friends who ridiculed Noah for building the ark. I mean, but Noah had the respect of his sons. We don't read anything in the scriptures that his sons walked with God. Just Noah walked with God. But they saw in Noah a man Dad was a man of integrity. Dad was a sincere man. Dad was wholehearted. And that must have spoken to his sons. And maybe when his sons heard others ridicule their father, they may have said, look, that's my father, that's my dad that's building that boat. And I think it's foolish too, but I've lived with my dad long enough, and I can tell you, he's a man who knows God. He's a man who lives with God, who walks with God. And I may not be as truthful as he is. I don't know God like he does. I don't know about this coming flood like he does, but I know my dad. And yeah, I'm going to get on the boat when dad says to get on the boat. That just speaks volumes to us that his three sons got on the boat. Of what kind of a man Noah was. The loudest sermon that a man can preach in his house is the way he lives is when people look at him. When I first got married to my wife, and we went through some really tough, tough times. We did. I mean, I went from living in Bel Air, which is not exactly Logan Heights, but from Bel Air in Los Angeles to living on River Road in Cincinnati, which is worse than Logan Heights, and with no money. You know, for me, living in Bel Air, I thought money was a basic human right. You know, I, and I was very upset. I was very upset. I mean, we had less than $100. And the people above us and below us and the side of us, they'd beat their wives at night and the screaming and they were disabled. And it was just terrible, just awful place. But what I saw in her through all those situations was God was her reality. God was her reality. And she wasn't religious about it. That's what I saw. (laughs) And in her life, I heard the loudest sermon I could have ever heard. And just the resolute confidence that she had that God was going to take care of us. And when I finally came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll tell you, but I'll never admit this to her. But I'll tell you, I knew what I wanted. I wanted Cheryl's God. Give me Cheryl's God. That's what I wanted. Or else the way it was for Noah. His sons followed him into the ark because they knew Noah And they knew that their father, he walked with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the examples we have here of, Lord, men who got the victory like Noah over themselves, over their flesh, over their surroundings, over everybody who rejected God. And we thank you, Lord, that 
Noah walked with God and that you preserved that for us, Lord. And we hear your call this morning, Lord. We hear your calling to us and you're saying to us, if Noah walked with God, why can't you walk with God? And we hear that, Lord, and we want with all of our hearts to be like Noah. We want to walk with God in the midst of a God-rejecting society. And Lord, we want your care that Noah had for his family. Give us that care for our families. Lord, give us the care that will reach out to them. Give us the lives that will make them to put confidence in us and that will allow us to lead them to you. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful Bible study from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800 247 3051. And for any donation of $100 or more, we will send you Tom Cantor's new Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's over 2,200 pages with over 600 pages of Bible helps. has a genuine lambskin leather cover and gold lettering. It's got over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It has over 20 full-color custom maps and timelines. It's got a full 1,500-word Bible concordance. It's got the most popular Bible scriptures to study and memorize section. It's got a prophecy and fulfillment section, names of the Messiah section, the life of Joseph study section, and so many other amazing Bible helps. It's yours for a donation of $100. Call us, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.